I'm going to read you a passage from 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27, verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. We're going to observe the Lord's table tonight, and by his grace, that's what we'll be doing. Exodus 33, verse 18, Moses said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Now, I don't remember a lot about the past or even my past. Uh, I can't understand why I don't remember anything, but I don't. But I do remember this. I can remember when I was a sophomore in college, reading the Bible in my room. I read this verse, and I said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. I was 18 years old at the time. And I expected the room to light up. I was looking for some kind of manifestation. It didn't happen. As of yet, I did not understand this verse of Scripture. Now in this passage of Scripture... God gives us the answer as to what his glory is. Now that ought to pique the interest of every one of us. Show me thy glory. Now this story begins in eternity. When God decreed for Moses to make this request. God is God. And everything that takes place takes place according to his decree. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning. Isaiah said he declareth the end from the beginning. And from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. This is God being God. Everything begins with his eternal decree. Now, this is foretold in Genesis chapter 15 about the children of Israel going into Egypt. Uh, Let me read this. When God appeared to Abraham in a vision 200 years before this took place, He said unto Abraham, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. 
And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. And afterward they shall come out with great substance. They're going to come out of this rich. And they did. Abraham's great-grandson, Joseph, was sold by his brethren who hated him as a slave. The Ishmaelite merchants brought him into Egypt, and that began that 400-year period where Israel would become a nation of slaves, and they would build the pyramids. And this is the time when Moses was sent to deliver them. Now, the story is wonderful. God raised up Moses to deliver them from the Egyptian bondage. And God sent ten mighty plagues into the land. I think one of my favorite scriptures is when Pharaoh says, to Moses, who is the Lord that I should obey him? I love to think, Moses, you're fixing to find out. God said, I'm going to send these plagues. I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. Does it really say that? Yeah, it does. I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart so he will not let the children of Israel go. First, there were the rivers turned to blood, frogs everywhere, lice, swarms of flies, the disease on their, lab, their livestock, boils covering their bodies, Hail, locusts, darkness that might be felt. And after each of these mighty plagues, Moses was told by Pharaoh, you can go. We give up. And the Lord hardened his heart, and he would not let the children of Israel go. That's when the last plague came. The death of the firstborn and the Egyptians begged them to leave. Please get out of here. The land is ruined. And they even gave them all their riches so they left a wealthy people. They went from being slaves to being a wealthy People. Now, God hardened Pharaoh's heart again after they left. You know the story of the parting of the Red Sea. And Pharaoh and the chariots of Pharaoh were drowned when they tried to follow Israel. And they come out on the other side. And then we read where God fed them in the wilderness with manna from heaven. And he smoked a rock and water flowed out 
and they were supplied during that time. Those are gospel messages, you know that. And at about that time, they came to Mount Sinai, the place that God told them to come and offer sacrifices to him. And there they were given the law, the Ten Commandments. You're not going to have any God before me. The commandment against idolatry, false ideas of God. The commandment regarding not taking his name in vain. Resting the Sabbath. Honor your father and mother. Don't kill. Don't commit sexual sin. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't covet. And the civil law, look in Exodus chapter 24 for a moment. Verse 7. And he took the book of the covenant, the Ten Commandments, the civil law, and read in the audience of the people, and they said, All that the Lord has said, will we do and be obedient? Has there ever been a bigger lie told than that? And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people. And said, said, Behold, the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. Why was blood shed? Moses knew they were lying. I heard uh, a man actually say that this was like a covenant between God and the people, like two uh, men or two boys pricking their thumbs, letting blood, and, you know, this was a, a, the covenant. No, it wasn't. That's foolishness. Moses knew what they would do, and the blood was shed. Now, after this, Moses went back up into Mount Sinai for 40 days. And that's where he was given the instructions concerning the tabernacle, that great type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in chapter 32, verse 1. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, this is Genesis, or Exodus chapter 32, verse 1, Moses had been up on the mount 40 days, and when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, you know, we never really liked him anyway. The man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we want not what is become of him. Verse 2, And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And these were ornaments to beautify them. And I think it's interesting, earrings, you know, when we go bad, it has something to do with hearing. 
Verse 3, And all the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. Now remember all the things they'd seen. Jehovah do for them. How quickly they depart. And don't think for a second that you and I could not do this as well. Verse 4, And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it a gold, a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And I think this is one of the saddest verses in all the Bible. Verse 5, And when Aaron saw, he built an altar before it, this golden calf that he made. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord, Jehovah. I believe he was legitimizing what they were doing. We're still worshiping Jehovah, just in a slightly different way way we've got this golden calf and this is a feast to jehovah and this gave them affirmation for what they were doing verse six and they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offering and brought peace offerings and the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play i would say that's a very accurate representation of the average church service play Using scriptural names, Jehovah, but nothing more than play. False worship. Verse 7. And the Lord said unto Moses, Get thee down for thy people. Notice he doesn't call my people, he says thy people. Which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. Sin is my fault. I've corrupted myself. I think of what Hosea said to the children of Israel, you've destroyed yourself. They've corrupted themselves. They have, verse 8, they've turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They've made them a molten calf. And have worshipped it, and have sacrificed thereunto, and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said unto Moses, I've seen this people, and behold, it's a stiff-necked people, a rebellious, hard-hearted, callous people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them. And I'll make of thee a great nation. I'll just start over. Let's just get rid of them. And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought out of the land of Egypt with thy great power and with a mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief did he bring them out, to slay them in the mountains, 
and to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from this thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. Let me read you a passage from Numbers chapter 14 when the Lord was saying pretty much the same thing. And Moses says, Now if thou shalt kill all this people as one man, then the nations which have heard the fame of thee will speak, saying, Because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land, which he swear unto them, therefore he hath slain them in the wilderness. They're going to think you weren't able to help these people, to save these people. They're so sinful, they're so callous, they're so hard-hearted, they're so stiff-necked, even God couldn't save them. Now he asked the Lord to remember the covenant. Verse 13, Exodus 32. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants to whom thou swearest by thine own self, and said unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven. And all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. Now, there's another scripture that says God is not a man that he should repent. He's not. This is just language given to accommodate our weakness. God decided not to do what he said he was going to do, but he had other purposes all along. Verse 15, and Moses turned and went down from the mount, and the two tables of the testimony was in his hand. The tables were written on both their sides, the one side and on the other were they written, And the tables were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God graven upon the tables. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said unto Moses, This is the noise of war in the camp. And he said, Moses said, It's not the voice of them that shout for mastery, neither is it the voice of them that cry for being overcome, but the noise of them that sing do I hear. And it came to pass as soon as he came nigh into the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing, and Moses' anger waxed hot. You know, he had a temper. And I can understand why he was mad. And Moses' anger waxed hot. And he cast the tables out of his hands and brake them beneath the mountain. And he took the calf which they had made and burned it in the fire and ground it to powder and strawed it upon the water and made the children of Israel to drink of it. And Moses said unto Aaron, What did this people unto thee that thou hast brought so great a sin upon them? And Aaron said, Let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. Thou knowest the people that they're set on mischief. For they said unto me, Make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what's become of him. And I said unto them, Whosoever hath any gold, let him break it off. So they gave it, so they gave it to me, and I cast it in the fire, and there came out this calf. <laughs> you know, there is a continuous desire in men to shift the blame. Out came this calf. And when Moses saw that the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked unto their shame among their enemies, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? I'm asking myself, and I'm asking you, whose side are you on? Are you on the Lord's side 
or are you on man's side? Whose side are you on? Verse 26, let him come unto me and all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. And he said unto them, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, put every man his sword by his side and go in and out from the gate throughout the camp and slay every man his brother and every man his companion and every man his neighbor. And the children of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And there fell of the people that day about 3,000 men. For Moses had said, consecrate yourselves today to the Lord even every man upon his son and upon his brother, that he may bestow upon you a blessing this day. This day of anguish, this day of your sin, he's going to bestow a blessing. And it came to pass, verse 30, on the morrow that Moses said unto the people, You've sinned a great sin. And now I will go up unto the Lord, and peradventure I shall make an atonement for your sin. Now, I don't know why Moses said that. It's inspired, but I know this, it's the blood that makes atonement for the soul, not Moses. But what did he mean? I'm not sure. Uh, I'll try to pray for you that the Lord will do something about this. Verse 31, and Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Oh, this people have sinned a great sin and made them gods of gold. Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin... If not, blot me, I pray thee, out of the book which thou hast written. Oh, I want you to forgive them. And if you don't, just blot me out. The Lord said, the same thing with regard to his people. Save them. I'll be surety for them. I will be blotted out for them. Verse 33, And the Lord said unto Moses, Whosoever hath sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. Now the Lord is telling Moses, you don't tell me what to do. Under any circumstance, you don't tell me what to do. Therefore now go lead the people into the place of which I have spoken unto thee. Behold, mine angels shall go before thee. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. And the Lord plagued the people because they made the calf which Aaron made. I think that's an interesting way to put that. They made the calf which Aaron made. You know that sin that Adam committed? You committed it. You committed it. It wasn't just imputed to you. You did it. Or chapter 33, And the Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up hence thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt unto the land which I swear unto Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, saying unto thy seed will I give it. And I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite unto a land flowing with milk and honey. For I will not go up in the midst of thee. I'll send my angel, but I'm not going. 
For thou art a stiff-necked people, a hard-hearted, callous people, lest I consume thee in the way. And when the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned, and no man did put on him his ornaments. For the Lord had said unto Moses, saying to the children of Israel, You're stiff-necked people. I will come up into the midst of thee in a moment and consume thee. Therefore now put off thy ornaments from thee, that I may know what to do with thee. Now their ornaments, that which they thought made them attractive and beautiful. You know what they were to do with them? Get rid of them. And you come into his presence naked with nothing. Can we sing that song, nothing in my hands I bring? Simply to thy cross I cling. Bring nothing. Don't bring your intentions and your resolutions bring nothing verse 6 and the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by Mount Horeb and Moses took the tabernacle now this is not the tabernacle that was in the wilderness Uh, he was that's going to be after this but this was just a tent This was not the tabernacle with the Holy of Holies. And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp and afar off from the camp and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out into the tabernacle of the congregation which was without the camp. Now, here's what a believer is. He's somebody who seeks the Lord. He seeks the Lord. And it came to pass when Moses went out into the tabernacle, all the people rose up and stood, every man at his tent door, and looked after Moses until he was gone into that tent. And it came to pass as Moses entered the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshipped, every man in his tent door. Now, I've said this so many times. I'm going to say it again. You only worship a sovereign. There is no worship. If you think you can manipulate him, you only worship an absolute sovereign. And the Lord spake to Moses face to face as a man speaketh with his friend. Now, this demonstrates to us the power of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, Of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us 
wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And if he's made unto you wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, you know what? God speaks to you face to face as a man speaketh with his friend. I'm not talking about bold familiarity. But I'm saying every believer is the friend of God. Abraham was the friend of God. The Lord said to his disciples, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Believe the gospel. Love one another as he gave commandment. Every believer is the friend of almighty God. Now you may think, I don't have any friends. If you know God, you do. He's that friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaks unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. And Moses said unto the Lord, now, this is the prayer of Moses, and this is so important. See, thou sayest. Now, if you want to begin in prayer, let's begin with what he said. That's of absolute importance. We better begin with what he said. Thou sayest unto me, bring up this people, and thou not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said... I know thee by name, and thou hast found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray thee if I found grace in thy sight. Now, he wasn't presuming on this. But Moses knew this is what I need, grace. Moses didn't talk about how the Lord had used him and how he had delivered the children. Oh, the one thing he wanted was grace. That's what I need too. That's what you need. Grace. If I have found grace in thy sight, pure, free, unmerited favor, the same grace Noah found when Noah found grace in his sight, saving grace. Now therefore I pray thee, if I found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way. I don't want to know man's way. I don't want to know my own way. I want to know thy way. The way of righteousness. Christ said, I am the way. Show me now thy way. That I might know thee. Don't, don't you want to know him? I'm not talking about secondhand information. I'm talking about where he knows me. That when I use his name... I'm not name dropping because he knows me. He knows my name. I want to know you so that when I use your name, I'm not name dropping. I want to know you, but he never gets away from this, that I might find grace, pure, free grace. 
in thy sight. And consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, my presence shall go with thee. I know I'm going to send an angel, but I'm, I'm going to go with you. And I'll give thee rest. Oh, the rest of believing. What are you doing when you're resting? You're not doing anything. You're resting in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. If you don't go, I don't want to go. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. Now, a believer separated from everybody else. And I know what that separation is. The blood. That's the difference. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the saving mark. God said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. And you know that if you're a Saved by his grace, the only difference between you and that person that is not saved is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Verse 17, and the Lord said unto Moses, I'll, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken. For thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And then... Moses makes this request. I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Show me what you say your glory is. Now, when Moses makes that statement, you remember what he'd already seen. He'd seen the ten plagues, he'd seen the Red Sea part. He'd seen the manna come down from heaven. And he'd seen the water flow from the smitten rock. He'd seen the giving of the law. And he says, I've not yet seen your glory. Show me your glory. And here's God's description of his own glory. He said, I'll make all my goodness pass before thee. God's glory is his goodness. God is good. He's essentially good. He's immutably good. He's eternally good. He's good. Whatever he does is good. You know, men, when they hear the gospel, they start calling into question God and saying, this is not fair, that's not fair. Stop that foolishness. God is good. Whatever he does is good. Whatever he is is good. He's good. His sovereignty is good. His holiness is good. His power is good. His wrath is good. Every attribute of God is good. Amen. I'll make all my goodness pass before thee. I will proclaim 
the name of the Lord before thee. Now, when he proclaims the name of the Lord in chapter 34, he gives him his attributes. This is the person behind the name. I will proclaim the name before of the Lord before thee, and I'll be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Now, this goes back to Moses saying, if you don't save them, blot me out. The Lord says, you don't tell me what to do under any circumstance. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. Thank God he'll be gracious. But he'll be gracious to whom he will. And he'll show mercy to whom he will. This is sovereign grace. If it ain't sovereign, it ain't grace. He's gracious to whom he will. He shows mercy to whom he will. This is who he is. Verse 20, and he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there's a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock. And it shall come to pass, while my glory passeth by, that I'll put thee in the cliff of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by, and I'll take away my hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. And when he says you're not going to see my face, you're going to see my back parts. His back parts is his salvation. You see his salvation. You see his back parts. And the Lord said unto Moses, You thee two tables of stone like unto the first, and I write upon these tables the words that were in the first tables which thou breakest. And be ready in the morning, and come up in the morning upon Mount Sinai, and present thyself there to me in the top of the mount. No man shall come up with thee, neither shall neither let any man be seen throughout all the mount, neither let the flocks nor herds feed upon that mount. And you two tables of stones like unto the first. And Moses rose up early in the morning and went up into the Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him. And he took in his hands the two tables of stones and the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Now, in closing, and the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, Jehovah, Jehovah, almighty God, I am that I am. He's Jehovah and he's almighty. You know what that means? He's got the power to make sure his will always comes to pass. He's omnipotent. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious. These two words are only used to describe the character of God. Merciful. And gracious. This is God's description of himself. Long-suffering. Oh, he's so long-suffering. The long-suffering of the Lord is salvation, Peter tells us. Abundant in goodness and truth. Keeping mercy for thousands, thousands of thousands Forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. This is who he is. 
Now look at this next statement. And that will by no means clear the guilty. Under no circumstance, under no scenario, will he ever clear someone who is guilty. Now somebody says, well, how can he forgive them? How can he show mercy if he says he will by no means clear the guilty? Here's the glory of the gospel. Every one of his people that Christ died for are not guilty. That's what justification is. Christ put away my sin and I stand before him without guilt. Sinless. That's the gospel. And how did Moses respond to this, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children into the third and into the fourth generation? And Moses made haste. He didn't hesitate about this. He bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. This is the God who is worshipped. And he said, if now I have found grace in thy sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray thee, go among us, for it's a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for thine inheritance. That's my prayer, too. Let's pray. Lord, how we thank you for the mystery of the gospel. How we thank you for the excellency and the glory of thy son, who by his power, by his righteousness, by his precious blood, by his amazing work in our behalf, makes it to when you look at us in your son, there is no guilt. Lord, I ask in Christ's name that you would take your word and bless it for your glory and for our good. In Christ's name we pray, amen.